1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to preview this game between the Eagles and the Giants this Sunday afternoon at the New Meadowlands. One o'clock kickoff the best rivalry in the NFL, folks. That's what we've got going on here, and it's the uh, first of two games these teams will play. Uh, The NFL schedule makers put these games towards the end of the season, and uh, the Eagles looking to take advantage of a weak schedule here over the last few weeks, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up in the next few minutes. We'll talk about the Cowboys loss on Thanksgiving and what that means for the Eagles' playoff chances, and uh, I'll give you my list of my ten favorite Eagles-Giants games of all time, as well as break down some of the X's and O's that you can expect coming up here on Sunday afternoon. That's all on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But let's start off the podcast talking about that Dallas Cowboys loss on Thanksgiving. Man, there is nothing better in this world than a Thanksgiving when the when the Dallas Cowboys lose. I mean, it just, you sit, and, and the timing of the game is perfect, too, because the game is always the late game, right? The Cowboys are always the four o'clock game and that's happening just as you're getting ready to sit down and start eating the best meal you're going to eat all year and your 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 stomach is loaded up with turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and we do oyster dressing in my in at our place and man it is that is a good time that is a good time and then you get to sit down you get to watch the cowboys blow a winnable game against the Las Vegas Raiders at home. This is something they've been doing all the time these last few years, losing these Thanksgiving games. It is, it's a grand tradition. It's a grand American tradition that we should all heartily embrace. There is nothing better in this world than watching the Dallas Cowboys lose on Thanksgiving Day. And as our good friend RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys noted on Twitter, it has been rough on Thanksgiving Day the last few years for Dallas. And remember, these are all home games. The Cowboys are always playing a home game on Thanksgiving. In 2014, uh, they lost to a, an Eagles team led by Mark Sanchez, if you'll remember that one. Now, of course, that 2014 season fell apart after that game, but uh, that was a lot of fun watching Mark Sanchez uh, lead the Eagles to a big, big, big victory over the over the Cowboys and on Thanksgiving. That, w- that was the year the Chip Kelly-led Eagles collapsed down the stretch, but that was a good game. That was like the last good game of the 2014 season for the Eagles. Uh, in, In 2015, they lost to the undefeated Panthers. They were blown out in that game. They beat the Washington football team in 2016, uh, but then they lost to the Chargers in 2017, beat the Washington football team in 2018. The Colt McCoy-led Washington football team. They were blown out by the Bills in 2019, and they were blown out by Washington last year, 41-16, to and then, of course, they go down in overtime in a crushing defeat that made Skip Bayless cry uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders, who... You know, I still don't know if they're any good. They beat the Eagles pretty handily, either. So uh, the, the, the Raiders took care of business against the the two NFC the best two NFC East teams, uh, but. Um, have... Had trouble with with lots of other folks, but Derek Carr is a good quarterback, and and the Cowboys just they could not stop committing defensive penalties. They could not stop committing defensive pass interference, and it it killed them on a what was a third and seventeen in overtime when it looked like um, the Cowboys were gonna were gonna force a punt from from Las Vegas, but uh, a, just a killer penalty that uh, led to the game winning field goal and led to Dallas getting their hearts broken, and of course that opens things up a bit wider for the Eagles to potentially snag the NFC East here this season, which just seemed unfathomable when the Cowboys were 6-1 and and uh, 7-2 and just a, a couple of weeks ago, but they've lost 3 out of 4, all to AFC West teams, the, the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, and kind of looking ahead at the Cowboys' schedule over these next few weeks, they now play 3 straight road games. They have to go to New Orleans and play a Saints team that is uh, certainly beatable with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. We saw that a couple of weeks ago, or last week. Uh, then they go to Washington to play the football team. Then they go to New York to take on the Giants uh, to finish up their schedule. They host the Washington football team. They host the arizona cardinals and then of course they are in philadelphia to take on the eagles so uh, not not quite the easy schedule that the eagles have over these last few weeks but still that's a dallas should be able to at least go 11 and 6 over that stretch Uh, i mean to finish the season 11 and 6 not over that stretch Uh, but to finish the season with an 11 and 6 record but they have opened the door for the eagles to come and and track them down according to 538 The Cowboys' chance to win the NFC East dropped from 77% to 62% with the loss to the Raiders. They're still the overwhelming favorites, but it's dropping, and the Eagles improved from 12% to 20% to win the division. Now, if the Eagles win Sunday, those odds improve even more. They jumped to 28% to win the division, and the Cowboys dropped to 57%. So again, the Cowboys would still be heavily favored. The Eagles would still be a game and a half behind the Dallas Cowboys, but of course the Eagles have a much easier schedule than Dallas. Not much easier schedule, but an easier schedule than Dallas does down the stretch, and it's there. You know, the Eagles could, you know, could track them down. I suddenly, we we suddenly have more confidence about this football team, do we not? And it's it's a wonderful thing watching this team, watching this Eagles team evolve here over these last few weeks, but Again, this was a killer loss for the Dallas Cowboys. They, you've got to beat the Las Vegas Raiders at home if you're truly going to be one of the elite teams in the NFC. And I know they were hurting. You know they were missing. They were missing a bunch of their good players. Uh, Mari Cooper wasn't there. CD Lamb was was not a hundred percent. Dak Prescott is still not a hundred percent. They they were missing a fair number of of their best players, but. Um, This was a this was a rough one uh, for the Cowboys. So before we start breaking down uh, the key matchups and the things to watch here on Sunday afternoon, I I have to go down my list of the 10, my 10 favorite Eagles versus Giants games. And I'm not counting the Miracle to Meadowlands because I was not sports conscious at the time I was like three years old when that was happening or two years old even I think at the time so um, I I don't really remember that game it doesn't count as a favorite game of mine but there were still so many to choose from Uh, from from my time watching starting watching uh, during the Buddy Ryan era till now there have been so many great Eagles Giants games Um, so I'll start at the bottom of my list I'll start with number 10 when the 1992 Eagles beat the Giants 47-34 to in the Meadowlands, this was a big comeback win by a 92-Birds team that I thought was going to the Super Bowl. I thought they were going to the Super Bowl that year. Of course, this is the year the Cowboys dynasty really started to take off, but that Eagles team looked really good at the start of the season, and this was a fun, fun win. Uh, they were trailing the Giants in the middle of the second quarter, 20-6, but then For whatever reason, just the Eagles started pouring it on. They scored 41 points in the game in the final 39 and a half minutes. Heath Sherman and Herschel Walker both had touchdown runs in that game. Uh, Randall Cunningham threw a touchdown pass to Keith Byers. And then uh, you had a couple of uh, defensive and special teams touchdowns. Uh, Seth Joyner picked off a Jeff Hostetler pass and returned it for a touchdown. Ken Rose had a blocked punt return for a touchdown. And then, of course, this is the play we all remember. Vi Secahema returning that punt for a touchdown and then using the end zone bag as a heavy bag punching as after he scored the, the the game clinching touchdown, just a ton of fun, all those big plays in that game. Uh, And I think Ruben Frank noted that it was the only game in Eagles history where the Eagles were scoreless in the first quarter and then still managed to score at least 45 points in the game. So that was a fun game from my childhood, from my memory. Loved, loved that game. Another great one from the Buddy Ryan era, 1990. The Giants came into Veterans Stadium at 10-0 and on the season, and the Giants would go on to win the Super Bowl against the Bills this year, but... Uh, if the Giants had beaten the Eagles, and I think it was the Rams, the 49ers were playing the Rams that same week. Both the Giants and the 49ers came into that week, week 11, at 10-0. and And there was all this talk. It was a lot of hype about the Giants and 49ers could meet on Monday Night Football. Both teams undefeated at 11-0 and would have been the latest in the season two undefeated teams had met on Monday Night Football. And then the Rams beat the 49ers, and the Eagles beat the Giants at Veteran Stadium. It was a great game. That was a lot of fun that game. The Eagles beat them handily. Phil Simms had a really awful day uh, in in that one, and uh, Randall Cunningham uh, played some terrific football, had like 70 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown and also threw for a touchdown in that game. It was one of those great classic Eagles-Giants games at Veteran Stadium that the Eagles came out on top in. Uh, That was a lot of fun watching the Eagles, uh, a good Eagles team, uh, beat the undefeated Giants that day at Veteran Stadium. My number eight game was the game in 1989 at the Meadowlands when Randall Cunningham hit that 91 yard punt. The Eagles won that game. And, of course, that was the game that was incredibly windy at the Meadowlands. And Randall gets back there, kicking from his own end zone, and boots it 91 yards past Dave Meggett. Dave Meggett scrambling back, trying to pick up a bouncing football over. Finally picks it up, I think it was at his own 9-yard line, and only advances it like 5 or 10 yards. It was a tremendous punt from Randall Cunningham, one of the great Randall Cunningham moments in Eagles history that will go down as one of my favorite games simply because of a punt, a Randall Cunningham punt that we all remember fans of that era my number seven moment maybe this should be a little bit higher this kind of gets forgotten as one of the great eagles playoff games but the 2006 playoffs in the wild card round when david akers hits the walk-off overtime field goal against the giants in the 06 playoffs anytime the eagles and giants meet in the playoffs it is a it's a huge game and that was a really well-played game as well that was of course the jeff garcia eagles that game allowed them to move on to take on the Saints in the divisional round. And we remember the disappointment of that Saints game, but we don't remember the elation of David Akers hitting that game-winning field goal in overtime in the 2006 wild card to, uh, to move the Eagles past the Giants in the playoffs that year. That, of course, was at Lincoln Financial Field. Great game. One of the all-time greats, great games between these two teams. In 2017, I think this was the moment when I realized that the the Seagulls Seagulls team was special when Jake Elliott hits the walk-off 62-yard field goal in, was it week... Two, I think it was week two or week three of that season. I think it was week two. The Eagles zero and one going into that game, if I'm remembering correctly, and uh, Jake Elliott hitting the walk off field goal in 2017. Somebody will tell me if it was week three and it wasn't week two. Um, you know, it was week three. It was week three. That's right because uh, they took on they they played Washington in week one. They lost to Kansas City in week two and then came home to Philadelphia one and one uh, and and beat the Giants in week three. So that's what it was. It was uh, the Giants were zero and two coming into that game. Uh, and the Eagles hit him on that walk-off. 62-yard field goal by Jake Elliott in 2017. That's my number six game of all time. Number five, the 1988 blocked field goal return for a touchdown in overtime. I think it was by Clyde Simmons, if I'm remembering correctly. And that was a huge moment because... The Eagles and Giants ended up finishing the 1988 season with the same record at 10-6, and but the Eagles won the tiebreaker over the Giants and ended up winning the NFC East because of a fluky blocked field goal. The Eagles were lining up for a field goal. It was blocked, but the ball bounced into the arms of Clyde Simmons. It bounced behind the line of scrimmage, so Clyde Simmons was able to advance it and Clyde Simmons rumbles somehow into the end zone for the game winning touchdown in overtime. And the Eagles beat the giants in that, in that game at the Meadowlands in 1988, that was referred to as the second miracle at the Meadowlands, um, before the additional miracles at the Meadowlands took place. My number four game of all time, the nineteen, the 2008 NFC Divisional Playoff game where the Eagles went into the Meadowlands and upset the Giants in a huge upset. Remember, the Eagles were the number six seed in 2008, going into the number one-seeded New York Giants, Eli Manning. That team was supposed to go to a Super Bowl, and the Birds went in there and just rolled over them. Just rolled over them in that game. Not a competitive game at all. The Eagles just had their number that day. Andy Reid and the Eagles were on some kind of roll at that time, and they went into the Meadowlands and uh, advanced to the NFC Championship game where they eventually lost to the Arizona Cardinals, but a tremendous game against uh, against the Giants the Eagles played that day, and that goes down as my number four moment of all time. My number three moment, this is just because this was a seminal moment in my childhood watching this football team. That game on Monday Night Football in 1988, where Randall Cunningham is hit by Carl Banks. His knees are knocked out from under him, but Randall somehow manages to plant his hand into the ground to prevent his knees from hitting the ground, pops back up, and throws a strike to Jimmy Giles in the end zone for a touchdown. It was the game that Randall Cunningham emerged on the public stage, right? That was his coming-out party that game. And that was was really the Eagles' coming-out party for the Buddy Ryan era. Uh, the Eagles went on to win that game. They went on to, again, they would beat the Giants later on in the season and uh, won the NFC East largely because of that fantastic Monday night football game in 1988 uh, where Randall bounces off the turf and throws a strike to Jimmy, Jimmy Giles, uh, Eagles' tight end at the time, uh, in a game they, they would end up winning going away. Number two, the Brian Westbrook return. Man, that was an electric moment. In 2003, the Eagles season looks like it's going to be dead. Uh, I think they're 2-3 and three at that time when, when that play happened, and, and Brian Westbrook with uh, well under two minutes in the game. For some reason, the Giants punt the ball to Brian Westbrook, and he runs it all the way back for a touchdown and saves the Eagles' season. The Eagles go on to win nine in a row and win another NFC East title, get to another NFC championship game. But unfortunately we're not obviously able to beat the Carolina Panthers that season in the NFC title game. But that Brian Westbrook run was one of my favorite Merrill Reese calls of all time was that was on that Brian Westbrook uh, punt return for a touchdown. And then of course I think the number one Eagles Giants game of all time the Deshaun Jackson miracle game. Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2, or Part 3, or Part 4, whatever you want to call it. It's amazing all the miracles the Eagles have had against the Giants, but uh, we we remember the 2010 Deshaun Jackson miracle. We have seen our share of miracles in Eagles-Giants game. The punt is mapped on. The Eagles are going to have Deshaun Jackson back, of course. It's a duckler. Jackson takes it at the 35, humbles it, picks it up, looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45! Oh! He's gonna go! The short catch! And they found a way to win. Funny thing is about that game, that was the last game that team would win that year. It really finished in dis- in a disappointing fashion because I think uh, that was the game that was the game against uh what was the, the name of the Vikings quarterback? They went into Philadelphia. Wade, right? I mean I'm trying to remember the what the first what the guy's first name was, but that was the game uh the season where the Eagles lost a winnable game against the Vikings against a no-name quarterback coming off of that Deshaun Jackson punt return touchdown uh victory. And then they lost in the first round of the playoffs in a game where they against the eventual Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers, but a game where the uh, the Eagles should have beaten the Packers at home uh, in the in the NFC wildcard game in 2010. So that Deshaun Jackson miracle game, we obviously remember that as the greatest, if not one of the greatest, and the greatest games in Eagles Giants history. Coming back, uh, coming back from that 31 to 17, or was it 31 to 10 deficit in the fourth quarter, and figuring out a way to to, to make up that. Deficit in such a big hurry, That 21 uh, 21 points they were down. But um, kind of of soured a little bit by the fact that they didn't win another game that entire season. But those are my top 10 Eagles-Giants games of all time. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll break down this game coming up on Sunday afternoon between the Giants and the Eagles. That's up next here on Eye on the Enemy. and we're back with eye on the enemy so let's take a look at this giants team here and let's let's be honest kids the giants are really bad they come into this game 3 and 7 on the season right now they are on target to collect the number 5 pick in next year's nfl draft the eagles by the way just for anybody who's keeping up on this stuff, uh, slated to get Miami's number seven overall, their own number 11 pick, and then Indianapolis's number 15, uh, if all things uh, remain similar to where they are right now. Uh, the Giants are on offense average, averaging just 18.9 points per game. That ranks 25th in the NFL. The Eagles, by the way, 27 points per game this year, eighth most in the NFL. This was a team that was struggling for so much of the season, but they've just been piling up yards and points over and over again. I mean, they're really doing an amazing job. Um, The Giants are averaging 19th in passing yards per game and 25th in rushing yards per game. And these poor offensive numbers resulted in Longtime Dallas Cowboys head coach and Giants offensive coordinator Jason Garrett getting the boot this week as offensive coordinator. So Freddie Kitchens will take over as the play caller for Joe Judge's uh, depressing Giants offense. And it's, it's a bad offense, guys. I mean, th- this, is, this, is a, this is a really unimaginative, stale, boring offense. And they had all these playmakers coming into the season, and none of it has worked out. And we talked about before the year started that this was going to be a referendum year on Daniel Jones. The referendum is that this guy's not the future. This guy's not the future quarterback. Uh, a passer rating of 84 this season. Woof, right? Nine touchdowns, seven interceptions for Daniel Jones Uh, He continues to get sacked like crazy. He's been sacked 21 times so far this year. I don't think the fumbling has been as much of a problem this season, but um, nevertheless, still just an awful season for Daniel Jones. 64.4% completion percentage, 2,226 yards, uh, 222 yards per game so far for Daniel Jones. He's just, he's not the answer. He's not the answer for this team. And this team was supposed to have a lot of weapons, but Saquon Barkley has missed a bunch of the season. He's only played six games this year. He has 220 yards on the ground. He's second on the third on the team in rushing. Uh, Devontae Booker leads the team with 330 yards on the ground, followed by Daniel Jones, who has 268 yards at this point in the season, ten games in. If Daniel Jones is leading Saquon Barkley in rushing yards, you know you've had a really bad season. Looking at some of the receiving numbers, again, this was a team that was supposed to be a pretty good receiving team, but none of these players have really done a whole lot. Now, Kadarius Toney has kind of been in and out of the lineup. He's only started four games. Um, He's got 392 yards receiving. Sterling Shepard has only played five games. He has 324 yards receiving. Evan Engram was supposed to have this breakout season, 28 catches, 236 yards for him uh, in eight games. So he's missed a couple games as well. They've had a bunch of guys miss some games. John Ross has played seven games. He's got 189 yards. In the air, Kenny Galladay has only played seven games. He's only got 322 yards on 20 catches. Crazy. I mean, uh, Kyle Rudolph, he's played all 10 games. He's only got 17 grabs for 147. Darius Slayton was another guy we were talking a whole lot about. 16 catches for 227 yards. He's only started two games, only played in seven games so far this year. I mean, this is just, there's a lot of wide receiver talent on this team, and none of it is working. None of it is working at all. And this is, remember, they wanted to, they wanted to get Devonte Smith. I don't even know if Devontae Smith would be able to help this offense. And the offensive line has just been, it's been a problem all year for this team. They've had all kinds of trouble protecting the quarterback, all kinds of trouble opening up running lanes. And so you can understand why the Giants have decided to move on from Jason Garrett. Now, you, you can, this can go one of two ways on Sunday afternoon. Maybe this doesn't matter. You know this this could just could be an offense that's broken. Daniel Jones just could be a quarterback that's broken. He's had a couple good games against the Eagles. So, he can he can step up and play well against the Birds, but you know this there's a little uncertainty. Jonathan Gannon is the defensive coordinator. What is he preparing for? What is he going to be looking at with a Freddie Kitchens offense? How different will it be? Will it be a whole lot different? Will it be similar? I would hope it's for the giant's sake that it's different. Because if you're doing the same stuff Jason Garrett did, I mean, maybe there's not enough time to make that to, to to change things around too much. But I don't know. Freddie Kitchen's been there the whole year, so I imagine he's probably got an idea of what he would do differently. And so uh, we'll see how different the Giants' game plan is on Sunday afternoon as opposed to what it has been during the course of the season. Uh, and we'll, we'll get Ed Valentine on. Uh, ahead of the, the next Giants game. Just with the Thanksgiving week, it was a little too hard to, to get guests all lined up for uh, for this week's edition of Eye on the Enemy. But uh, by then, we'll have a little bit more of an idea what Freddie Kitchens is is going to be doing. Uh, one of the big keys to watch is this Giants offensive line going, like up against, going up against the Eagles defensive line. The Eagles defensive line hasn't been getting a whole lot of sacks lately, but it's been pretty clear that they've been getting more pressure, and Jonathan Gannon has been dialing up the blitz a whole lot more over these last few weeks. And it's been working. I mean, the Eagles, really, this 2021 Eagles team, it's been a talk a talk radio caller's dream. Running the football and blitzing. Right? That's what this Eagles, that's what has been helping this Eagles team. And you can bet, I would imagine, more of the same coming from this Eagles defense against the Giants offensive line that is among the worst in the NFL. This this should be a good matchup for the Eagles D line. This should be a good matchup for Josh Sweat and for Javon Hargrave, and for Fletcher Cox, and even Derek Barnett. This should be a good matchup for those four guys, and uh, you look for Jonathan Gannon to continue to do the things that have helped him be successful over these last few weeks. Now, let's take a look at the injuries. Jordan Howard is out, but everyone else of consequence is a go, including Darius Slate, Darius Slay, who has passed the concussion protocol. Uh, of course, Davion Taylor, uh, linebacker, is on injured reserve, but... Uh, We have one of the things we haven't talked about with the Eagles this year and has been a major problem for this team in years past is the injury bug. This team has not had to deal with the injury bug this year. Everybody has stayed relatively healthy. Miles Sanders had to miss a little bit of time, but obviously they they made it through that stretch pretty well. But um, Jalen Hurts has stayed healthy. All, all the receivers have stayed healthy. Devontae Smith has, has stayed healthy. Um, you've had, uh, you know, you've had Quez Watkins stay healthy. And better for better, or worse, Jalen Rager has stayed healthy. Uh, for, the, for the most part, Dallas Goddard has stayed healthy. The offensive line has had some guys that have had a little bit of injury with the offensive lines. But the fact that um, Jack Driscoll got so much playing time last year and Jordan Mailata was out for a little bit. But over these last... Five, six weeks. At this point in the season, the Eagles are usually a mash unit. And right now, it's a pretty healthy group. This is a pretty healthy team. So they had to deal with some injuries a little bit earlier in the season. But the difference is that the injuries the Eagles have suffered this year really are no more different than other teams have had to deal with. The Giants are more beat up than the Eagles right now. The Cowboys are more beat up than the Eagles right now. The Giants could be without wide receivers Kadarius, Tony, and Sterling Shepard. For this game on Sunday afternoon, which would obviously be a big help to the Eagles. Now, Saquon Barkley is back. He's only played six games, as I mentioned. But he came back on Monday night after missing some time with an ankle injury. Had six carries for 25 yards and six catches for 31 yards. You're likely to see an increased workload for him on Sunday afternoon. And we have obviously seen Saquon Barkley have huge games against this football team over the course of the last few years. But Barkley is just... You know, we have to. We'll have to see how how much he's recovered from his ankle injury. And the Eagles' run defense has been better here um, as of late over these last few weeks. So, um, one of the other key matchups to watch is how much are the Eagles going to run the ball? My guess is quite a darn, quite a gosh darn bit. The Giants' run defense is awful. They're ranked 22nd in the NFL in run defense. They're giving up 119.7 yards per game on the ground. Last week, they only gave up 94 against the Buccaneers, but had given up over 100 in their two games before that. Back in Week 5, the Cowboys ran for 201 against them. Now, you'd think Miles Sanders would be the big guy to watch, and yes, I do think you're going to see Miles Sanders again I was right. Bring Miles Sanders back. Don't love the fumble, but Miles Sanders, there's a reason you play him, right? There's a reason you play him. And with Jordan Howard out, Miles Sanders will definitely get a lot more of the rock. But the unsung hero, the giant killer on this offense is obviously Boston Scott. These numbers in four career games against the Giants. He has 26 carries for 222 yards on the ground. That's an eight and a half yard per carry average and five touchdowns in four career games against the Giants. He's also caught 14 balls for 210 yards, 15 uh, yards per reception average, and a touchdown. So he's got 432 yards of total offense and six touchdowns in four career games against the New York Giants. You can bet Boston Scott will see the ball on Sunday afternoon. And the Giants have some big guys up front. Dexter Lawrence is big. Austin Johnson's big. Leonard Williams is big. They're all over 300 pounds. But what the Eagles have done, and what Jeff Stoutland and uh, and Nick Sirianni have done, with this running game, is they're not doing it in two tight end sets. You know, they're not doing it in 12 personnel. They're spreading the defense out. They're doing a lot of spread offense, three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end, some RPO-type action there. But when you've got Jalen Hurts, who, who's a threat to run the ball just as much as any of the running backs, right now it's an impossible chore. And this was a strategy of mine whenever I used to play Madden. Uh, whenever I needed it, when it was like third and one, I'd play four wide. It always worked. I mean, it's just one of those, it's Madden, so it's not real, you know what I mean? But what the Eagles are doing right now is they're trying to give themselves space because it allows Jalen Hurts to be creative. It allows the running back to be creative. You can work the wide receivers into the run game a little bit, so you can do more jet sweeps. It's a a very smart thing the Eagles are doing right now. They've stumbled upon something, and it's working for them. So you're not going to have Lawrence and Johnson and Williams all in the game at the same time because... The Eagles are going to have too many fast, speedy guys out there. So that's a big matchup that I think the Eagles can and will exploit. There's no reason not to continue to pound the rock on Sunday afternoon against a Giants defense that really hasn't offered a whole lot of resistance against it. And when you're talking about rushing yards from the quarterback, listen to these numbers from Jalen Hurts. I'm going to look at their first 15 career starts. So I have saw this number in a million places on Twitter. Lamar Jackson, who is generally regarded as the best rushing quarterback in the NFL, in his fir- first fifteen career starts, he ran for forty one hundred twenty yards. Jalen Hurts has run for forty one hundred fifteen yards. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. That's total offense in their first career start, fifteen career starts. Total offense. Lamar Jackson forty one twenty. Jalen Hurts forty one fifteen. Five fewer yards of total offense. Lamar Jackson twenty six touchdowns. Jalen Hurts twenty nine touchdowns three more touchdowns. Lamar Jackson, 12 turnovers. Jalen Hurts, 11 turnovers, one fewer. And for Lamar Jackson, 213 first downs. For Jalen Hurts, 209 first downs. Am I sold that Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback forever? I'm not. But what they're doing, they have have finally started to build the offense around Jalen Hurts' legs as opposed to his arm. Now, at some point, This passing offense, if the Eagles are going to be a team that's going to be able to beat good teams, they're going to have to be two-dimensional, right? They're going to have to start to be able to throw the football to have a passing game that's consistently good. They don't have a consistently good passing game because they have two weapons in the passing game right now, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. That's really all they have. And Jalen Hurts is still not an accurate passer. He's getting better. I've seen some good things. Obviously, we've all seen some good things from him in the passing game. He's doing just enough passing the ball to keep teams honest right now, and that's all you can ask for. And you're seeing progression. You're seeing improvement. So that leads you to think he can get better. He can be maybe a franchise quarterback. I'm not sold on it yet. I'm certainly sold on him for 2022. He's definitely the quarterback for 2022. After that, you kind of have to wait and see how things go. But he's certainly shown enough. To make that that he is your starting quarterback quarterback in 2022, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing for the future of this team because you can take the draft picks that you have and you can just you can use them to make your roster that much better. And Jalen Hurts is is making plays. I said at the beginning of the season he needed to be a Donovan McNabb 2000 like quarterback. I know you're getting tired of hearing me say that. In order for this team to make the playoffs and and be competitive, that's what we're seeing from him right now. That is what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts right now. Jalen Hurts is playing at a Donovan McNabb-like level in 2000 when the Eagles finally, in Andy Reid's uh, second season with the team, when they finally started to step on the gas and become a playoff team. So that's what you're seeing from Jalen Hurts right now, and it's what this team needs, and they're going to need a performance like him from that again on Sunday afternoon against a bad Giants team. Folks, this Giants team is bad is a bad Giants team. They should not lose this game, even on the road. This is this is a game the Eagles should go in. They're favored by three and a half points. They should go in there and handle a bad Giants team. This is a rivalry. It's a big NFC East rivalry. All these division games are tough. I, I get it. And the Giants are going to want revenge for the fact that the Eagles tanked the final game of the season last year. This is the, you know, Joe Judge is going to, by the way, Joe Judge, who is a an, an awful head coach, he will not survive past this year. If he survives for 2022, then he's got pictures of somebody, all right? Joe Judge can't coach. He's awful. Another another coach on the Belichick tree, rotten to the core. Just a bad head coach. So he's going to be gone. The Eagles should be able to beat this 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 coach and this collection of ragtag Giants players and go into the Meadowlands and win this game rather easily. And so that's what I'm predicting this Eagles team to do. I think this is a game the Eagles can put up 34 points. I, I think this is a I think this is a comfortable Eagles victory. I'm going to say Eagles 34, Giants 20, and a, a game that's not particularly close throughout. I, I think the Eagles go in and they take care of business in New York against the Giants on Sunday afternoon. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Friends, don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day. I've got a fun piece up there comparing this 2021 Eagles team to one of my favorite all-time Eagles teams, the 1995 Birds. There's a lot of similarities between what the Eagles are doing and what the '95 Eagles did, that playoff team uh, coached by Ray Rhodes in his first season. So go check that out at BleedingGreenNation.com. And tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Check out all of the shows we have for you there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts, that's how you can find us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on I on the Enemy. P-G-N. Support for this show comes from Fundrise